Welcome to a Life of Freedom podcast, your source of inspiration and information on how and why you should choose to pursue your own happiness, pursue your passion, and design a life that fulfills you and makes it your own. And now here's your host, Ayesh LKZ. Welcome to episode 7 of season 2. Today we are talking with CJ Sparks, a sober bikini model and the co-host of Inside Only Fans podcast. Before we start, I would like to talk about Vice, formerly known as TransferWise. Receive money directly to your account with zero fees, wherever you are in the world. Hold and convert money to over 40 currencies instantly in your account and get a debit card to spend in any currency, all with Vice's low and transparent fees. Try it out from my affiliate link below with no additional cost to you. And now back to the podcast. So uh, first of all, uh, first of all, welcome to the show. It's great to have you here. Um, so let us know who you are and what you do. I'm CJ Sparks. I am what I refer to as lately a sober bikini model and also a podcast host. Okay, so how do you got started with those? Probably I was, let's see, about, oh goodness, 19, 20 years old. I got started in modeling. I started because I needed to earn some extra money on Craigslist. And so I got started there in the modeling. I also did um, some like promotional club photo shooting and got started from there, continued to pick up jobs on Craigslist and eventually was able to quit my job and do the modeling full time. Okay. So uh, how was your like first modeling gigs was like? Uh... You know, oh gosh, that's so long ago. I... I think one of the first modeling experiences that I had, I had bought this really pretty red dress at a yard sale. And I was so excited to like take a beautiful photo in this beautiful red dress. And I remember thinking, oh my gosh, it's going to be like so glamorous. And the night before I was so excited, I could, I could barely sleep. And I went and I believe I, I hired, I hired this photographer and he was like, yeah, I have this really great concept. It's going to be so incredible. I thought, oh my gosh, you know, I can't wait to see what he's thought of in his mind. And somehow we ended up in like a river and okay. I was all wet <laughs> and the dress was wet. And <laughs> the pictures, I think they did come out really beautifully, but I'll never forget. That was like kind of one of my first introductions. And I'm like, this is not... This is not what I planned for at all. The pictures I think came out nice, but that was like one of my first introductions to modeling. And um, yeah, it wasn't what I thought it was going to be, but it was still really fun. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Uh, so can you tell uh, like around which place it, this happened and like uh, which year? Oh, this was in Sacramento. Okay. Uh, which year? What year? Yeah. Um, 
Oh goodness. Probably like 15 years ago. It's like, oh, yeah, God. at least yeah, maybe longer. It might be like 17. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, so how, how did you like uh, transfer from like you, you did this modeling part-time and how, when did you transfer to? Um, so transferring to full-time, I was able to do that after I started on MySpace. Okay. I was promoting myself on MySpace. I don't know how old you are, but MySpace is one of the very first okay. um, social medias. And um, yeah, because I'm thinking that uh, the dress in the water thing, I think that was like 15 years ago. So this might have been a little bit, yeah. 16 years ago, maybe. And I got started originally in modeling because there was a a friend of mine, a girlfriend of mine that she was like this beautiful blonde girl and she had like bright blonde hair and bright blue, green, like blue green eyes. And I just thought like, oh my gosh, she's so beautiful. And I saw that she was doing these modeling things, taking these beautiful photographs and she was posting them on MySpace. And I was like, like I want to do this too, but I don't, I don't really, I don't really know how to start. And so I kind of just started copying what she did. She was my friend. So she would bring me to these photo shoots and um, I would like, you know, kind of hope that maybe there might be like a morsel thrown my way. And, uh, I think one, one day some model dropped out and I, she was like, you know, yeah, come do this with me. I was like, okay. So I got ready and we took some photos and, uh, I'll like, I was in like the background and <laughs> like, I don't know, the photos were like some car broken down or something. And I was like, okay, I was all excited. And, um, so from there it was like, I was, and then I paid the photographer to kind of give me some pointers on shooting and like hair and makeup and stuff. So after I started doing these smaller jobs, I would go or I would go on Craigslist and I ended up doing, uh, I needed to make money. So I ended up doing some nude photo shoots and um, because those were the ones that were paying the most money. And so from there, I was able to make a job, um, make money as like a glamour, nude, bikini, lingerie. This is still before like, um, you know, MySpace was just coming around. So this was still brand new. And there was a space called Model Mayhem that still happens today, although it's not quite as reputable. Um, This still happens today where models get a lot of paid work. It's primarily paid work. There is some trade, but you can go on there and it's, you can see the photographer's resume. So if they're asking for you to shoot nudes, you can say, okay, you know, is this person just kind of being a creep who wants naked photos of me? Okay, no, I see he's been doing this for many years. This is his thing. He's a new glamour model. So I would go on there and I would kind of vet these photographers and I would get these different paid jobs. And typically when people were posting on Craigslist, if it was a legitimate job, they would also include their model mayhem. And Model Mayhem is free. I I believe it's still free. Any photographer could go on there and create kind of like this online resume. So if you're a model, you just, you feel a little bit better about if you're going to go somewhere and take your clothes off. So as I started getting more and more of those jobs and I started growing a little bit on MySpace, um, 
I was working at, I was working at Mercedes and I was working at Walmart. And then I think I was also like waitressing at the time too. And I remember just being so exhausted and I was like, why I had saved up to get my breast implants while I was working at Walmart. And I remember I wanted like this certain number so I could put it in my bank account and swipe my credit card and be done with it. And so after that, I think is when I started pulling back and I started realizing, hey, if I keep promoting myself on MySpace and if I get these many eyeballs on my MySpace profile, people will then go to my model mayhem. I believe that there was a space on the on fate or on MySpace too, where you could put a clickable link and you could say, this is my model mayhem and that you had a number and they could go look you up. So I was getting work even from MySpace and then eventually Facebook. And, but I, but then from there I was able, I had already, even though I was working a lot of different jobs, I had already created a bit of a funnel where I was getting work, paid work pretty consistently. And so after probably three or four years, I just, I had saved up enough money and I just thought, you know what? I don't want to do this anymore. I have my breast implants. I'm like ready to go, ready to go rock it with the bikini and a sexy dress. So I thought I'm over it. I'm tired all the time. I don't want to live like this anymore. I'm just going to take a, take a chance. And I believe um, I, for a long time, I waitressed and still was doing these modeling jobs. Um, and then I got a DUI, a couple DUIs and I couldn't drive anywhere. And so from then I was forced to just do the modeling, the adult modeling. So it was like a lot of nude modeling, some webcamming. Um, I was forced, but it actually ended up being really beautiful because it gave me kind of that last push I needed to just let it all go. And um, I've stayed consistent ever since. I think promoting yourself on social media is a big part of that. Uh, how how did how did yeah. you know like how to like when to transition to Facebook like like you know MySpace was a thing and it was going out. Um, I think that if you're a young model trying to build up kind of promote yourself, you should have every single platform. Okay. So when MySpace came out, I hopped on there. When Facebook came out, I hopped on there. When Instagram came out, I hopped on there. Everything okay. it's it's free, so you know. So uh, how? someone know that like which platform like would be you know would be the next thing or would take off maybe like some platforms you don't and go, yeah yeah you don't you don't know <laughs> that's why you need to join all the free platforms and see what pops off for you okay so uh you that in your title you have yeah, you know you, you you've been so patrol like i think three years i think you mentioned yes yes so uh like how was the life before and how how did you how did you change it like what well um the life before i got sober i i um i was i would go and party um i wasn't so much partying like on the job but i remember you know if i would go on like a big photo shoot where we would maybe go away for a week um i wouldn't I wouldn't be able to function the entire time. Or sometimes, you know, if I was nervous, I would say, oh, I need a drink. I need a drink. I need to, um, you know, I need to relax. I need to calm my nerves. Yeah. I'm stressed. I need a drink. I'm happy. I need a drink. I'm tired. I need a drink. I'm too excited. I need a drink. You know, everything is like always 
ends up with needing a drink. And um, so I wasn't learning like the valuable skills on how to cope with life. I wasn't learning, you know, how to function as a as an adult, as a young adult, and then, you know, like moving into uh, even like a business woman, you know, because um, CJ Sparks is, is, that's kind of like my business in a way. So even if I'm coming up as a model, you know, there's still kind of a way that I need to um, act or interact with people. Uh, You know, when I have my business hat on, maybe when I'm trying to solve sell myself, maybe when I'm trying to book an important photo shoot or um, speaking with a brand that maybe wants to hire me. So there was a lot of missed opportunities because I might've had like a few too many, or maybe um, I might be chatting with somebody and they might say, oh, you know, I'd love to work with this girl, but she seems awfully drunk, you know, and I might've had a an opportunity to have a connection with this person. And um, they're just not interested, not even because I'm wasted, but just because they feel as though it wouldn't be an appropriate time to speak about business. So there's so many different areas where probably that I don't even realize where um, I just gave off maybe an unprofessional vibe or maybe where I just scared off a potential business opportunity all on my own. So it was, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of partying. I traveled a lot. Um, I, I went to, I've been to Spain or not to Spain, to um, Ibiza. So Europe, I'm going to Spain. That's why I'm thinking Spain. Um, The Philippines, Mexico, uh, Dubai, you know, like a lot of different places where there's a lot of beautiful opportunity for party, but also for sightseeing and different things. And I just don't really remember that. Or I had the opportunity, but I was too hungover to uh, seize the opportunity. I'm too tired. You know, I need to sleep off this hangover. It's too hot. I need to find something to eat. So there's many different times where either, um, you know, I was too tired or I was just presenting as too drunk or too party centered. And I, I regret those times, but also I am grateful for that time spent because I think it enables, helps enable me to be sober now because I know what I'm missing. It's not that great. I still do all the same things now that I'm sober and even more that I'm sober because I now know that I can trust myself. If I schedule an appointment, I can trust that I'm going to be there at a certain time. You know, brands want to work with me. People want to work with me because they say, oh, CJ's sober. Uh, I can, you know, hopefully trust that she's going to show up. Even people or brands that haven't worked with me before, it's just positive. See somebody sober. Oh, this is maybe different. This is somebody that is holding themselves to a higher standard. And so I'm more appealing now, whereas I wouldn't have been. But just by giving up, alcohol and drugs, which it wasn't helping my life anyways. I always thought, oh, I don't know if I can do this if I don't have a drink or, um, luckily I was never like really drunk on, on like a photo shoot set. Um, I'm very fortunate. I've, I've never had any photographers like force me into anything or I've had photographers offer me alcohol. And if I decline, they're like, okay, you know, so I'm so fortunate because sometimes that's not always the case, especially for young women. Um, 
so I'm fortunate that it never got to that point for me. Um, and now, you know, it's so nice. I don't have to ever worry about that. Or even if somebody offers me alcohol in a business setting, I, I just tell them, no, I usually tell people I'm an alcoholic and people don't know what to say with that. So they're like, oh, okay, never mind. None for that lady. <laughs> it makes them more uncomfortable than it does me. And uh, then it can open up sometimes to a conversation. And um, oh my God, this, what is happening? This, this never happens. They're doing some form of construction. that's upsetting me. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, you know, the life was very glamorous before the drinking, before I stopped drinking, before I stopped drugs, I thought, oh my God, will I ever have fun again? Will I ever be able to go out in a social setting and be able to function and enjoy myself, laugh, dance, sing a song, sing a karaoke, you know, because we think all of these, um, you know, drinking or maybe having a little weed or maybe even having a little cocaine makes me chatty, makes me talkative, or if I have a little weed, you know, I'll be cool, calm and collected. Or if I have a drink, you know, we'll take the edge off and I'll be able to think more clearly. So I had a lot of concern about that. You know, is my life going to look the same? Am I still going to have these opportunities? Maybe people won't want to be around me because I'm not drinking. And for me, my life has gotten so much better. My life has began to get more full with each day, with each year, my life gets more full and I have more business opportunities. I still travel. I still have many of the same girlfriends. I have way more business acquaintances, businesses that I work with because I'm, I'm sober and my life has expanded, you know, 100 times over. So it was glamorous before, and I'm happy to report it's still very much glamorous now, <laughs> even that I'm sober. Yeah. So uh, how did, like, when did you decide? So like, you know, this is like, like when you're being like, you know, being an alcoholic or like, uh, so is, is it, when did you decide, like, think it was like going bad? Like, I'm well, um, I remember one of the last times that I got drunk, this wasn't the last time, but this was one of like the last <clears throat> five times or so. One of these last times I got drunk and I was in my room and I had went out that night and I had said, Oh, I'm not going to get drunk. I'm not going to do drugs. Famous last words. <laughs> and I went out and I got super wasted. And then my friend brought out cocaine and he was like, have some, have some, because I know you're super drunk. And I'm like, okay, yeah, you know, thank you. Oh my God. My friend's saving my life with cocaine. Right. Well, then I started doing some of that. And um, normally I will just do a little bit and I will just level out and I'll be like, okay, yeah, I can drink again. But I did so much. I didn't want to stop. And then everybody else was like, okay, we're winding down now. We're all going to go home. And I couldn't go home. I didn't want to go home. I was like upset. I was angry. I'm like, I don't want to go. Like, I'm just now coming on my second win. Like, aren't we going to party? And so the, my friend, he was visiting from the Philippines at the time. He was just like, take the drugs, like leave, go all, or, you know, here's the rest of the cocaine, like go do whatever you want, but like, we have to go, like we have things to do tomorrow. So I was like, oh my God. Okay. So I didn't have anything to do. So I just took the drugs and went home. So I was very upset and, um, I was watching Netflix. I was watching, it's like this guy that like takes his shirt off. I don't know what it is. It's like Brett something, I think. 
And um, he, it was, it wasn't, it was kind of funny. It wasn't really that funny, but it was like a funny comedy. So I'm like kind of laughing and I'm like kind of crying because I'm so upset because I'm like, oh, my friend left me and I want to still party. And so I was upset about that. And I'm laughing, watching this comedy special in between going back, laughing, crying, laughing, crying. And I'm like snorting lines of cocaine off of my Apple computer because I can't stop. Like, what am I doing? Why am I at this? Why am I like at home on my Apple computer watching comedy special on Netflix doing cocaine? Like, there's no real reason. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not out. I don't need any energy, but it's because I can't stop. I don't want to stop. I have to do it until it's gone. And then when it's gone, I'm upset that it's gone. Like, why did you, I'm mad at myself? Like, why did you do it all now? How are you going to, how are you going to function when you get up? Like you should have left a little bit for when you get up. Oh, it was, it was such a mess. And I remember, um, as I was kind of like trying to drift off to sleep, I think I'd taken like a bunch of melatonin or something. Um, and I remember just thinking like, I don't think that I can do this for the rest of my life. Like, I don't know if I want to be like even social. I remember thinking, I don't know if I even want to be social. I don't even know if I want to get dressed up and go out. Um, because it always just ends up with me, like in my room upset, still wanting to party and nobody wants to party with me. And I'm like pissed. And so I remember thinking like, I just need to maybe get like a bunch of cats and rescue cats and be like a woman who like gives her life to animals because in a way I've just given up on people. And I remember thinking like, yeah, if I had a bunch of like rescue cats or like, you know, rescue animals, I was in a little apartment, so I can't rescue anything but cats in a little apartment. But I remember thinking like, maybe I can just do this and not be like CJ, the model, CJ Sparks, the model, the hot model because it was starting to affect my skin. It was starting to affect my weight. I was kind of like becoming bloated. My face was getting red. I didn't care to like go work out. I was still really skinny because I wasn't eating because I would drink and do drugs. But I just remember thinking like, I don't, I don't even know if I want to be myself because I still had this persona online as if everything was okay. You know, I was just like another hot chick, like, and life was perfect. And I never, you know, had to really try for anything. And I remember thinking just about rescuing these cats and not ever having to go out and deal with people. And I could just drink and feed the cats. And I'll never forget that because not to say that anyone who rescues cats, um, you know, like doesn't try, but just for me, I felt like that is maybe a way out. I can still have love with these animals and feel love and know that. I'm helping out the world in some way, but also like these animals can't leave me, <laughs> you know, if, if they're, if I'm their sole provider of food, then they won't want to leave me and they'll love me unconditionally. But also I won't have to try. So I won't have to risk rejection. And, um, so that was like one of my last times. And I remember thinking that, and I remember thinking I have, I've got to do something about this. Otherwise I'm going to die this way. I've never thought that I just want to like fall off the face of the earth and be with animals. So that was like a new idea for me. So even though it was a, it's a beautiful idea, it's a beautiful thing to save animals, to help anyone outside of yourself. I remember thinking, wow, this is really different for me. And, um, and then after that, I started having like thoughts of suicide. So 
I realized that even though I had been going crazy with the alcohol and the drugs for a long time, that I was starting to even think these brand new thoughts that were just getting progressively darker and darker. Yeah. So, um, so what, what kind of things you like did to like proactively change? Now for activities, I do, um, I have a podcast that I do as well called Inside OnlyFans. So I'm like constantly, I have an OnlyFans. So I'm constantly shooting, um, you know, different things for my OnlyFans. I have some girlfriends that do OnlyFans as well. So we'll get together, we'll rent houses or we'll go over to each other's houses and we'll shoot OnlyFans content. Um, We'll go to the beach and shoot OnlyFans content we'll go hiking and shoot OnlyFans content. Like I, I do all that stuff so much. Um, I do, I have like pole classes that I do pole dance classes, pole fitness. I have a stripper pole in my house right now. I'm looking right at it. I try now I like go like to a bunch of different workout classes. Like it was always so interesting to me how people just tried workout classes. I just tried true fusion here in West Hollywood. I was an avid orange theory goer. They shut my orange theory down. So I'm still a little bit bitter about that. Um, I go to AA meetings. AA meetings are so awesome. They're an hour. There's a bunch of, if you go certain, there's a bunch of young people. If you go to certain other ones, there's a bunch of people that are, we call them old timers. It doesn't necessarily mean they're old, but like people with a lot of time. So I can go and kind of, sometimes we go and eat after and fellowship after. So I do that. I go to comedy clubs. I love comedy clubs. I was at the Laugh Factory here in West Hollywood until midnight last night. I just went to Vegas. So, but you know, Vegas is like an hour away from LA and I was in Vegas for 24 hours and I, I hosted there, but Vegas is so fun. Even not drinking, you can go to a show. The last time I was in Vegas, I went to Magic Mike show and just like sing, down, scream, like, ah, like, you know, you watch a live performance. I love anything live performance. Um, I've been to burlesque show there, dancing, scene, the costumes, like, you know, the makeup, the hair, everything. Cirque de Soleil, my girlfriend just messaged me yesterday and said, Hey, you know, do you want to go? Cirque de Soleil is in LA currently. So we maybe go see that. I, let's see. I mean, I, I feel like I'm so busy. I'm so, I'm constantly doing things here because, um, you know, because I'm sober, because I have the time. We do sound baths. Um, sound baths are so, there's so much fun. We have, you know, we do big girls dinners because as it turns out, even though when I was drinking and getting drunk, I thought everybody else was drinking and getting drunk. Not the case. Not everybody else is drinking and getting drunk. I just thought that because I wanted to make myself feel better. But now we'll go for girls dinners. We just go for like hour and a half, laugh, have fun, take pictures, and then, you know, go home. So we'll set up girls dinners. I just went to church Easter past. Um, there's a beautiful church here in Bel Air that we went to. And I did that, woke up early on a Sunday morning and got my ass to church. (laughs) You know, that would have never happened before. That's actually how I got one of my DUIs because I was back home and my family is really religious and I needed to get back home so I could pass out at home so I could wake up and go to church with my family. (laughs) But I do, I mean, I do so many different things. A lot of it is fitness-based. There's a really, really beautiful lounge, um, fitness lounge out in Malibu. 
that I go to a lot with my girlfriends. So anything active, I love being active. I love to go to sporting events. Yeah. I listen to a lot of podcasts. I, I, I love doing that. A lot of books on audio. I mean, there's just so many different, I've, there's so many different things that, that I do that I love to, that I love to do that I enjoy doing that I didn't have time for before because I was consistently nursing a hangover. <laughs> so uh, how would a typical day look like? Well, I mean, my <clears throat> life is anything but typical. Yesterday, for example, um, I woke up. I woke up late because we'd been out late. We went to Hakkasan in Vegas. And um, I was me and my other girlfriend who's sober. She's sober for 12 years. And we went out, we came back, and then we sat up in bed and laughed. I woke up. Woke up late, had breakfast, did, um, I have a journal. So I did like a little, my little five minute journal that I have. And then I did a light meditation, showered, had a makeup artist come, did my makeup for my appearance yesterday, then went to the pool for a few hours, um, got paid to do that. That was really cool. Went to the topless pool, topless pool at Sapphire. So much fun. Highly recommend. <laughs> And um, hopped on a plane, landed, went straight to my podcast that I film, was there for a couple hours. Um, my producer, who produces the podcast, um, also is a comedian, pretty well-known Persian comedian, Maximini. And um, he was like, hey, do you want to come see my show at the Laugh Factory after? So then I just went to the Laugh Factory. All the whole time, I had my little pink carry-on luggage with me that has OnlyFans stickers all over it. And I'm like lugging it around because I don't drive. So I just have like stuff with me randomly. Sometimes all my friends know it and get it. And he puts it behind, um, you know, kind of like a desk or something at the Laugh Factory. And I went and enjoyed comedy at the Laugh Factory for a couple hours. And then I came home, went to sleep and I'm going to wake up and, and, you know, do different stuff all today. So Every day that I have is different. Typically, it's I have one hour dedicated for fitness at least five days a week. I'll take a couple pole fitness classes or I'll do an Orange Theory class or a True Fusion or something like that. Um, today, I have another podcast that I'm going to get ready to go do after this. So there's really no typical days <laughs> in my life. Okay. So let's talk about your podcast. Like, uh, how did you start? Like, how did you get the idea? So the podcast is uh, actually something that I got hired to do. It's myself and another uh, girl on Instagram that you should probably follow. Her name is Kayla Loren. Uh, Kayla, Lo Kayla Loren Official. That's her Instagram. And her name is Kayla. And um, she is my co-host on Inside OnlyFans. She is, uh, she's kind of the brains of the operation. I'm kind of the silly one. Um, and, uh, I'm like la laughing at everything. And then she kind of comes in with a very serious, uh, statement that she has garnered from listening to the guest and, uh, wraps it all up in a nice, beautiful bow. And so together we host the Inside OnlyFans podcast. It actually was an idea that Maximini, the producer, had thought of. He was curious himself. He wanted to kind of get some behind the scenes information. You know, all these beautiful women are making six figures or more, you know, every every year, some of them every month. Not me, unfortunately, but <laughs> but 
women and, and also men are making exorbitant amounts of money on the platform. So he was curious, you know, he wanted to see what's the deal, what's going on, what's everyone doing? Are they doing the same things or are they doing different things? And then he came up with the concept and he had a hiring process and Kayla and I were the two that were selected. We only allow for OnlyFans creators on our platform. We have actually had a business on the platform, uh, a business who is the biggest business, arguably, in OnlyFans to help creators run their OnlyFans. So aside from that one interview, we have strictly OnlyFans creators. We're really proud of that. We want Inside OnlyFans to be like a safe space for the creators to come and talk about the ups and downs and what it's like of being a creator for the platform. Um, it's pretty hilarious. <laughs> um, people ask me a lot, oh, is it funny? Is it like a comedy podcast since Max is the producer? I believe the way it's been described is irreverent, but I, I don't know exactly <laughs> what that word means. Maybe we should look that up. But like, maybe it's irreverent or maybe it's endearing. I'm not sure, but it's, it's an insightful look into what it is to be a creator on OnlyFans. Um, you know, there's a lot of silliness that goes on in the background. Uh, a lot of these people take it very seriously. They work it very seriously. It's a real job to them. But the beautiful thing about it is, is there is a lot of really incredible opportunities that come along kind of with making your own schedule. So along with sharing things that they do on OnlyFans, what their profiles are like, what they offer, how they got into it, they also get to share kind of the ups and downs of the behind the scenes, potentially with family life or relationally, and um, also get to share some really cool insights into, you know, maybe different cool places that they've traveled, people they've met as a result. Uh, so we touch on a lot of different topics, but it is, it is pretty funny and it's a good time to watch. Yeah. So uh, how would you find guests for the podcast? Like, you know, how do you reach out? On Instagram. Okay. I'm like constantly creeping hot chicks on Instagram. <laughs> okay. so, and, uh, and guys too. So like, how do you reach out? Like what kind of message do you do? Oh, I just DM them. Okay. <laughs> I really just DM them and I'm like, yeah, you want to come on my podcast? <laughs> You just you, know, you just go straight to the podcast or you just initiate another conversation first? Yeah. I just ask, you know, hey, where are you located? Would you like to be on my podcast? This is where we film, you know, takes about an hour and a half of your time. Okay. So and most times some people say yes. Some some do say no. They'll come back though. <laughs> like what kind of insights you have learned? Like what kind of new things you learned about like from the creators? Uh, a really cool thing. To, to see, I don't know if I, this is something that I've learned, but a really cool thing I've seen is there is, there's a lot of polar opposites and there's always one in particular that stands out to me is that contrary to popular belief, um, a lot of these women, definitely not all, but a large portion, I would say at least half are in really supportive, loving relationships. Now, a lot of those relationships look very different. You know, some of them are having sex on the platform and sharing their sex acts on the platform together as a couple. Some of them are kind of like in an open-ish or a swinger-ish or an unconventional type of relationship, romantic relationship with their partners. 
and some of them aren't, but the ones that are in really beautiful, supportive relationships, those women tend to really glow. And I think that there is a kind of an unfair stigma attached to women and OnlyFans that they are, they're not smart. They're not really in a, like a loving, happy relationship. And, um, you know, that they don't have a good connection with their family, their parents, specifically their dad. And there are so many women that come on and they're close with their family. They have loving, supportive partners and they're incredibly smart. And there's, there's a lot even maybe not a lot, but there has been a good many few who come on and they're educated. They have college, you know, some college under their belt. And these are smart women that have options to do other things, but still they choose only fans because they're making really good money. But I think sometimes people think these are broken women that they could, they could never function in like a healthy adult romantic relationship. These are women who probably don't have good relationships with their family, specifically their father. And these are women that probably didn't have any other choice. You know, maybe they're not educated or they just don't have any other option. And they had to had they were maybe forced to do OnlyFans out of like a necessity. And um, so I have learned those three things consistently over and over, just kind of debunking that narrative. And it's been really cool to see. And I love seeing the women that feel supported because you can really tell it comes through in their interviews really beautifully. Mid-roll ad. I would like to talk about Vice, formerly known as TransferWise. Receive money directly to your account with zero fees, wherever you are in the world. Hold and convert money to over 40 currencies instantly in your account and get a debit card to spend in any currency, all with Vice's low and transparent fees. Try it out from my affiliate link below, with no additional cost to you. And now, back to the podcast. So, uh, any like uh, any tips that uh, you learn to uh, like ab- about OnlyFans, like from the creators, you know, like, you know, how they like uh, their followers or how they increase their earnings any tips how they how they increase their earnings yeah like how they well the, the number one so, thing yeah. that i have learned is consistency these women a lot of these women are on there consistently the ones that are making the most money are the ones that are consistent um i haven't you know a lot of the different tips and tricks are specifically to these these women's niche, um, you know, some of these women are on there and they're selling, you know, everything. (laughs) Um, so I would say the number one thing that I've learned is consistency and having good help behind you. Um, but definitely consistent consistency, number one. And if you can, continue to grow yourself on a platform like Instagram or TikTok or Twitter or Reddit, that's huge too. So, um, you know, not only on OnlyFans, but consistency on other platforms as well, even YouTube, something like that. 
that has been what I've seen. Typically the women that are the most successful are really successful on at least one other platform, be it Instagram, Reddit, YouTube, or TikTok. Um, yeah, because typically one of those bigger free platforms is going to be where you're going to funnel a lot of traffic and then go from there. But if you can funnel the traffic from that one big free platform that everybody's kind of on, and then you can stay, stay consistent on your OnlyFans, um, be really, uh, you know, chatting with your fans, figuring out what they want. If you don't already know, you should know. And then staying consistent from there. And if you need help, having your help also stay consistent as well. Um, and then creating trust with your brand but you don't necessarily have to do anything like sex acts. So there's a lot of girls that are not even nude on there that are making a lot of money. So it does depend on your niche, but whatever you figure out your niche to be, stay consistent and, and keep it going from there. Yeah. So uh, like how long you had the podcast and like, how do you uh, feel about it? And what would you think? If you, think? <sighs> you know, we've had the podcast. We've been, in the works with this podcast for over a year, maybe like a year and a couple months now. And I'm really loving it because I'm getting to see a different side, even of myself, but a different side of um, creators that I would have never had the opportunity to meet. I mean, maybe I would have had the opportunity, but the really beautiful thing about having a podcast, and I'm sure you've probably figured this out, is that people sit down and immediately they're in a space, like in an open space. You know, if you and I had just met organically on the street and you're like asking me all these questions, I'm going to be like, this guy is weird. Like what? But because you have a podcast platform, um, people sit down and they're automatically kind of ready to share. Sometimes I'm sure that you would say, the best kind of podcasts are when people sit down and they're ready to be open and transparent. Yeah. Probably that doesn't always happen, but, but 95% of the time it happens where people are coming to the podcast in an open mindset, in an open space, and they really want to share and, and, and let go. And they're ready to like talk about themselves and, you know, kind of be of service in that way. And so I've really enjoyed getting to know people and being able to go deep with people kind of right off the bat. I love to laugh and I love to laugh at stupid things. I love to laugh at things that make other people uncomfortable because I think now, especially, you know, we had the coronavirus and, you know, now that there's, there's a war, there's a big war happening in Ukraine and, um, I think people are so serious. They take everything so serious, you know, like vaccines and war and all this, you know, how can you be happy? How can you be here laughing? There's a war. And it's like, you know, yeah, there's a war. It's very sad. Or yeah, you know, there's, we're just kind of coming out of a pandemic and people are traumatized and, you know, they're operating from, it's Many like people a, are still operating, huh? It's like, a, like if we we are being sad about it, like it's it's not going to help anything, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I think the beautiful thing about doing the podcast is that I still get to provide some sort of a reprieve for people. You know, a lot of people 
my friends will message me and say, oh my gosh, you know, that last episode was so funny or I laughed so hard. And, and I also learned some stuff and, you know, I got insights about OnlyFans or, you know, I didn't know that it was like this, or, you know, I didn't, I really, I didn't realize that it was, you could do this on it. And it's like, I love being able to provide like some comedic relief, but also be able to get to know people on a deeper level because I, even if I were meeting these women at like a photo shoot, there wouldn't be an opportunity to, to speak in that same way that there is that opportunity for on the podcast. And I really enjoy it. I really love laughing with people and I really enjoy having serious conversation. And it's not often you get to mix that too. And I feel like on that podcast, I get to mix them. And so far it's been really good. And I'm getting a lot of positive feedback and I'm so grateful for that. So it's kind of like two things that I really enjoy combined. And also I feel like, you know, the creators come and we're not telling them how to dress. Uh, We're not saying, oh, you can't wear this. You can't say that. It's like an open forum. So I really appreciate that as well, because especially any creator having to do with OnlyFans is really, um, what's that word again? You know, we get really censored. Um, what's the word that everybody has, is saying all the time on Instagram? Shadow banned. You know, we yeah. get really shadow banned. We get really repressed and pushed back. And, you know, Instagram doesn't show a lot of our content now to our followers anymore. And um, so I really enjoy also having a space where everyone can kind of just come and be themselves. And so it's been very fulfilling for me having the podcast. Yeah. So like any kind of interesting stories you heard from the creators? Oh, yeah. I mean, we have, there's so many. Um, You know, we had CJ Miles on. She was the first guest who came on and she wanted alcohol. She was like, I need to drink. I need to get drunk. You know, I've had a long day. I've been traveling. I don't, I think she might've flown in from Miami and she was getting drunk. And we were like, oh my gosh, because she's so tiny. She was so sweet, but we had never had somebody come in <clears throat> and say, I need to get drunk. I need to get drunk. <laughs> so that was really funny because she's so small, but she has such a big personality. We were like, whoa, you know, what a like a hot, sexy little like Filipina tornado. <laughs> it was so funny. And that was really cool. We've had a girl come on and talk about selling some bodily functions, <laughs> selling the number two and, um, you know, how she, she told us how she packages it up and ships it off and what the guy does with it. So that was pretty shocking. <laughs> um, we've had people come on and, and talk about, we had um, Mia, why am I blanking on her last name? She is Israeli, she, or she was in the Israeli uh, army. Yeah, why yeah, can I, I, so, yeah. Yes. I'm like, yeah, I'm so frustrated. Why am I blanking on her last name? Um, but we had her on and she was talking about being in the military and she, how she knows Krav Maga and how she had to kick, kick a photographer, you know, in between the legs because... He was trying to unzip his pants. That was pretty crazy. I couldn't imagine. I couldn't imagine having to deal with something like that. I feel so grateful I've never had to. But yeah, she had to run away. We had Marisol on and she was talking about she had 
metafan and force him to force him to eat something really crazy and you know because she has a very dom- uh, dominatrix side of her and um i mean i feel like there's just so many you know, courtney courtney tilia came on and she's a former special ed school teacher and her and her now husband met they were i believe they were both special ed teachers and um you know now they have kind of this wild and exciting life where they're both on OnlyFans and they're creating with other couples on OnlyFans. And, you know, she kind of went from like this very straight laced young girl to this wild OnlyFans creator. And yeah, there's at least always one wild thing (laughs) on every episode. So uh, what would you say is your biggest accomplishment in your life so far? That's very easy for me. My sobriety is my biggest accomplishment in my life. And um, it is special to me in that it's something every day that I have to wake up and continue to accomplish. So my biggest accomplishment is easily my sobriety and being sober um, because every day I have to re-choose it. So I think the kind of skips passes. So you talk about like the one of the last times, you know, you were like on this... And uh, like, like, when did you decide to like just quit this? And like, you know, when did you start your AA meeting? So like, you know, like, what kind of moments you like consciously stopped doing this? So I was dating somebody at the time who was sober. I had a uh, boyfriend who was sober, and I had dated a man also prior. He was a YouTube creator, and he was sober, and he didn't drink, and I had been sober with him prior for about a year, but I didn't do any AA means that I didn't drink. And I remember I was like, just like white knuckling, you know, every, every time somebody would offer me a drink, I'd be like, no, I don't want to drink, but like, really I would want to, you know, so I didn't have any foundation. And then when I met this man, I had said, when I met this last man, I had said, yeah, you know, I've been sober before. I kind of acknowledged that I had a bit of a drinking problem, but I still felt like I'm not really an alcoholic but I just kind of don't know when to stop, but I can say no. So I'm like not an alcoholic. And um, this guy went to AA meetings and I had went to a few with him out of curiosity, but I wasn't ready to identify yet as an alcoholic. And when I saw him go to the AA meetings and they say, you know, if anyone is an alcoholic here, raise your hand. And then, you know, I would see him raise his hand and I would see excuse me, I would see a bunch of other young people raising their hand. Um, And I had gotten these couple DUIs years prior. And I remember going to my DUI classes and it was like me and a bunch of old men and like gangsters. And I was just like, I don't know what I'm doing here, but like, I, I don't fit in. You know, I didn't really see myself reflected back towards me and anybody in my DUI groups. So I kind of thought it was always going to be like that. And when I went to these AA meetings with this young guy, I saw a bunch of other young people, young men, young women, um, good looking men, good looking women. And I'm like, wait a minute, like these are all, these could be all my people. These are easily people I could see out in the club. These are easily people I could see out at a restaurant. These are people I can totally hang out with. Like, oh my God. Okay. So I liked what I saw first. But I wasn't ready to commit just yet, but I felt comfortable. 
And, um, I was already, I had, I don't know. I don't think I was actually already in therapy, but at the time I was kind of coming to this space. You know, I told a story about the cats that happened before I met this person, right before I met this person, like a week before I met this person, I had kind of that vision of me just drinking at home forever (laughs) and like saving animals. I, so I kind of come to terms that I had a problem, but I didn't know where to go. And then I met this person and I started going to these meetings just out of support, just because I wanted to support him in his sobriety journey. Um, and you know, I wanted to be a supportive girlfriend. I liked this person. I was falling in love with this person. And I just, you know, when you are dating somebody and you're falling in love with them, you're, well, I mean, I guess not everybody, but I was like, okay, I really want to, I want to know more about this person. I want to get involved like in their life. I, I want to see what makes them tick. And so I would go to these meetings just out of support for him. And I would see him proudly raise his hand and I would see everybody else around him proudly raise their hand. And I'm like, okay, this is clearly like a super safe space. Nobody here is having any shame around this. I would hear these horrible stories about people, you know, like doing um, self-demoralizing acts for a drink or for a hit or, you know, for whatever their drug of choice. And they would tell these horrible, sad stories of what they would do to get their fix. And people in the rooms laugh and, and they all laughed because they all have been there and they've done, you know, like, ridiculous things for drugs or for alcohol. So it was relatable. And there were times where I was just like, oh my God, I cannot believe like that has happened to me before too. So there were moments where I was seeing myself reflected back in these stories. And I was like, wow, you know, I kind of think I'm an alcoholic. And so I cut back on my drinking. I went to these meetings with him for a couple of months and I cut back on my drinking. And then finally I was ready after I got ridiculously drunk April 14th was the day after it was Easter Sunday. And, um, we had went to a beautiful brunch, a really beautiful, expensive brunch. And I went the whole brunch without drinking. Cause I didn't want to get drunk and make a fool of myself. And we went back to a friend's house after I ended up getting wasted, making a fool of myself. I still had my church dress on and I was so disgusted with myself the next morning. I woke up, I was so hungover. And um, I was in this new relationship with this person. And I just remember looking at their face and just like the disappointment, the confusion, you know, the anger, the frustration. And I was just like, I don't want to ever see this look again, like from somebody that I love, from somebody that I care about. I don't ever want to see this look and I don't ever want to feel this way ever again. And if I stop drinking, I can at least, I can guarantee that I'm not going to get this look. I'm probably going to still disappoint them in other ways, but I can guarantee that if I stop drinking, I don't ever have to get this look because it was a familiar look that I had seen from partners before. And so that was enough to kind of catapult me into like, okay, this is it. This is ridiculous. I'm just doing the same old shit. I need to, I need to do something different now. And if I want to go back to drinking, I can, it'll be there. It's not going anywhere. And so that next day, that next morning I went and I raised my hand for the first time in the meeting. And I said that I was an alcoholic and it felt so good. It was so scary, but it felt so good. And 
that was just over three years ago. And so happy I did. Yeah. So uh, any advice for like anyone like, you know, looking drinking? Looking to stop drinking? Go it. So I want to really stress it. You can stop drinking in any country at any age. If you're a man or a woman, like it doesn't matter. I have went to other countries and went to AA meetings. Um, in fact, my necklace that I have here, this is the AA symbol. Um, my group of girlfriends had this made specially for me. I love it. But um, it's really cool because if, when I travel places, people will see that that are in the program and they'll say like the term that we ask is like, are you a friend of Bill's? Because Bill is the man that kind of helped create AA or he, well, he was the creator of AA, the main guy. And so um, I actually really love traveling with this symbol because it kind of shows people that are in the program. It encourages the conversation. So people might say, are you a friend of Bill? And then if you're in the program, if you're working a 12 step, if you're in AA, you'll most likely know what that means. And you can say, okay, yes. So, you know, it's a little bit different if you're out in public or if you're in a mixed group it's a little more private to say something like that. And um, if you can just Google anymore, there's meetings everywhere. That was what I meant to say before I got off on a tangent, but there's meetings everywhere in every language. You will be shocked. I don't know where you're at, but there's probably a meeting 10 minutes down the road from you. Um, You would be absolutely shocked how close you are to meetings. And if you're not close, if you have a working internet connection, there is Zoom AAs everywhere. Once again, it's typically something that you can easily Google. Um, There is typically like an AA office or an AA central office in your state or your town that you can call. I mean, all these things are really easily Googleable, and you can get set up. I mean, there's, you know, there's Facebook groups. There's a AA book called The Grapevine. I believe that's on Instagram. I mean, if you are interested in getting sober, but you don't know where to start, you know, you can go on YouTube. There's TED Talks. I mean, it is so, once I decided to get sober, and once I decided to dive in and kind of research and surf around the internet a little bit, there's so many different resources. And there's also different ways to, to get sober as well. Um, I love going to AA. I personally feel like I found my home, my people, but it's also not for everyone. So, um, you know, sometimes people end up needing to take medication. That's totally fine. Um, you know, sometimes people can, uh, find religion and go through religion. It can be Christianity. It can be Buddhism. It can be Catholicism, anything. And you can get sober that way, uh, through your church and, and gain counseling that way. So there's like, no, I really also want to stress there's no real right or wrong way to be sober. Um, I, I do choose to go to Alcoholics Anonymous. I do do a 12 step program. That's what works for me. 
And typically any of these things you can Google and there will be something very near to you. And if it's not near, you can go on Zoom and you can get it some way, somehow. Typically it doesn't cost any money. These meetings don't cost any money to attend. So anybody can get sober, man or woman, no matter where you're at. You do have to put a little bit of research on the computer, on the phone, but that's it. And it doesn't cost you any anything. And there are multiple ways you can do it. If you're not comfortable with one way, there's going to be a different option for you if you just search around a little bit and get yourself some support and, and you can stay sober. But I, I do believe in my experience being sober for a year and not really having any support, just kind of like we call it white knuckling, just holding on really tight. That didn't work for me because I didn't have a lot of support. And as you know, even when we're growing up, when you're growing from a child to a young adult and then to an adult, in order to have success, you need support. You need people around you that tell you, yes, you're on the right path. No, you're not on the right path. This is why love and support that's going to help get you to the next phase of, of your life, be a sobriety or whatever. So get with a group of like-minded individuals that are also, um, you know, trying to do some similar things that you are and support one another. And that can look, that can look different for, for anyone, no matter where you're at, but you can get sober. You don't even need to leave your house. You still can get sober. Do you have any advice for anyone like looking to get into more? Um, get on every single social media platform and start using it immediately. Facebook, Facebook pages, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, YouTube stories, TikTok, of course, Snapchat, Reddit, Clubhouse. Use it all. It's free. Try to use it well. Try to be consistent. I struggle with that myself. Model Mayhem. Model Mayhem still a good one. Get on there. Research. If you're just starting out, book a handful of photographers, you know, three to five. Pay them. Pay them their rate. Get professional hair, professional makeup. And for the first three to five photo shoots, have the, you know, pay, pay everybody their dues. Have them help you pose. Have them... Uh, help you, you know, ask about the best hair, the best makeup, the best, you know, the best styles, the best lighting techniques, the, the trends. I think, and it's my opinion, this day and age, you need to be as many places as possible. That is why social media is so important. And I also think that if you can afford to, you should hire some professionals for the first three to five um, photo shoots and get a feel if you're hiring somebody, you should be able to ask them, you know, as many questions about their craft. But, you know, if you're, if it's a collaborative effort, you know, they're going to kind of already expect a certain amount of uh, knowledge from you on your end. But if you're paying somebody for their time, um, unless it's an even exchange, people are typically more apt to stick around and answer your questions um, because it's assumed that, you know, they have something that you require, which is why you're paying them. So they're going to be more apt to sharing, you know, their thoughts and opinions on it with you. But you need to have a little bit of money to put into it because you want to make sure that you have quality content to post on all these different socials. Something that I wish I would have done differently growing, uh, growing my platforms. I wish I would have showed my personality a little bit more. 
um, because I think that that does make it easy to grow for the long term. Um, so that's something that I'm trying to catch up on now. But don't be afraid to let your personality shine through. If you really like horses, if you really like crystals, if you really like the color green, talk about it, you know, on TikTok or YouTube, show your personality. You can be a uh, a hot girl with a funny personality or a silly personality, or you can be a hot girl who loves to hike. And so you share your thoughts and opinions on the best hikes. I think something like that will help make you feel more authentic and it will help you in being able to share more on various platforms because you won't always be trying to create this fantasy. But, you know, I kind of grew up in the day and age where to be online or to post a picture, you needed to have full hair and makeup, like the whole nine. And now it's not like that. So I would encourage the younger people coming up to take advantage and to show your personality a lot more um, because that will give you longevity in this type of a business and you won't get burned out so fast. I would also encourage young models coming up. Um, so be as many places, be incredibly selective with the photographers that you shoot with. And I would just encourage people, I would encourage don't shoot, don't shoot nudes with just any photographers. If you really feel like you need some professional nudes, pay somebody and have the rights to those photos. Um, But nowadays, especially if you're trying to do OnlyFans, your iPhone content will do just fine. I know of women that don't have any nudes on the internet, like myself. I've posed for Playboy. Um, I actually just shot for Playboy Plus. So I don't have that freedom. I'm grateful for the opportunity to have shot and worked with Playboy. But I know that women that aren't nude on the internet, they are making a killing. Just even posting pictures of them like in basic lingerie, maybe you get a peek of something here and there. But because their bodies aren't already on the internet, they're making so much more money So be selective with who you shoot with. And uh, even if you do think you want to shoot nude, just wait on that because it's always going to be there. You don't have to wait forever. Maybe just give yourself like a year or so and then come back around and see how you feel. Because once you go nude or once you're doing like a sex act on the internet, you can come back from it. I'm sure. I'm sure there's some people that have done it, but it does make it harder So I would just encourage women to women and men really, but especially women um, move at a slower rate. You don't, you shouldn't feel like if you're a model just starting out that you have to catch up to anyone. Um, You should try to be comfortable with moving at your own pace, especially when it comes to anything nude. If you had a billboard that uh, millions of people would see, what would you? If I had a billboard that millions of people could see, I'd put my, um, I would put my OnlyFans link on it. And I'd probably put myself on there in a micro bikini because that's kind of what I've known, what I'm known for. (laughs) I'd put myself on a billboard in my red micro bikini with a little juice box. (laughs) So people would know that I'm sober. <laughs> and then I would put a link to my OnlyFans and probably also a link to my podcast too, because I'm really proud of the podcast and I want people. It'd be really cool if um we got like, you know, millions of subscribers there and on my OnlyFans. <laughs> and also if I got to talk about being sober. 
So uh, before the last question, you can share like that people can find you on fans, your podcast and everything. So after that, people can ask. Well, my Twitter is CJ Sparks, C-J-S-P-A-R-X-X. My YouTube is the same. <laughs> my Reddit is the same. I'm on TikTok, but they've deleted me several times. So I think I'm like CJ Spizzle <laughs> on TikTok. And then my Instagram, of course, is CJ Sparks at C-J-S-P-A-R-X-X. And then I have two OnlyFans pages like most performers do. Uh, my paid is... CJ Sparks Ball, and then my free is CJ Sparks Fans. So that is that, and there is tons of free content on my free, and then there's also some extra juicy, special, you know, content on my paid. There is nudity on my free in the DMs, um, but it's quite expensive. So you might as well just join my. VIP paid page, and then you get access to tons of nudes, nudes of me and my girlfriends, nude vids. I do special requests. I have a lot of fun on my OnlyFans. Um, I sell a bunch of stuff. It's a good time. Um, and then the podcast, the podcast's Instagram is inside OnlyFans. That's their Instagram. And then you can listen to my podcast on Apple Muse or Apple Podcasts. Spotify. It's also on YouTube and uh, redtomatotv.com. It's inside OnlyFans. So you just Google it, inside OnlyFans. Okay. So final question. Uh, what does freedom mean to you? Uh, freedom means to me, or like I guess what freedom represents to me is free from free from stigma, free from shame free from uh, judgment, financial freedom. That's always a good one. Um, I guess freedom would represent just being able to do what I, kind of what I wanted, live my life how I wanted, um, free from societal constraints. Financial freedom is a big one, which I think is what OnlyFans provides for a lot of its creators and even like a freelance freelance modeling in, in general, you know, um, provides a lot of financial freedom and independence. And, you know, everybody says the famous saying, money doesn't buy happiness, but it can help provide peace of mind and it can help provide financial stability, which is a huge thing in um, many people's lives. Money isn't the answer to all your problems, but having financial freedom and the ability to have access to things like therapy might, you know, therapy, I'm actively in therapy for over three years now and it's not cheap, but I'm a better person because of it. Well, if I couldn't afford therapy, you know, I, I wouldn't have the access to this particular therapist that I believe has helped me immensely. And, um, so I have a better life because of it. So I think financial freedom is huge and I have mental clarity and mental stability because I can afford, you know, this uh, important therapy. And also I feel good when I buy myself things. I'm really open on my podcast about how I talk about, you know, gifts are my love language. So I feel really full and happy when somebody buys me 
a beautiful gift. And even if it's not an expensive gift, it's still, it still costs money to buy people gifts. So freedom, I guess freedom could even represent happiness. You know, if you're free, if you're free from judgment or societal constraints, you're happy. Essentially you feel fulfilled. You don't want for much. And typically if you're a more fulfilled human, you're usually able to have a more fulfilling relationship because you come into the relationship, the personal relationship, not really needing much from your partner because you've already done a lot of introspective self-work on yourself. So yeah, freedom, I think that's what comes to mind for me, financial freedom, and thus everything else kind of trickling down, having to do with that freedom. The word freedom sounds light to me, sounds light, bright and happy. And um, free like a bird. <laughs> okay, so it's it's uh, great to meet you, and it's, uh, thank you for coming. Uh, okay, we had a great thank time. you. I'll be in thank touch. You. Have a good day. Yeah, see Bye. you. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to our conversation. Don't forget to sign up to ICE if you need to send or receive money from abroad. Please leave a review and subscribe to the show. See you next time.